Yeah, so, um, I think I'm gonna dedicate this first episode to just talking about the coronavirus, you know, it's, it's probably gonna be repetitive, but that's okay, um, I think it's something that we are just constantly hearing about, and, I mean, on the news, it's like, all you hear about, you know, the death toll is almost 100,000, the death toll is this, the cases are this, the new epicenter of the outbreak is this. It's just, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. I mean, for me personally, like, I listen to the news every day and it's really hard to watch it and, like, stay calm. Um, Like, personally, every time I even, like, read a new headline it feels like the world is ending i mean there's just new terrible things going on every day like murder hornets like why like why (laughs) um this is not a good time for that you know um but yeah it's it's extremely overwhelming like i was uh reading a news story the other day about um how an asteroid missed earth by just like a little bit like we could have just all been toast but it missed us um and i was also reading a story about it's about um these like locusts things that are like destroying the world as well um and yeah there's just a lot of terrible terrible stuff going on and Unfortunately, there's not much that we can do except, you know, just, like, hope for the best. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's it's been tough, I think, to, you know, it, like, it is tough just to feel like you can't really do anything when there's all these existential threats that could just kill off the whole world in a few minutes and there's just I don't know it's hard um today's memorial day so a huge thank you to all the veterans who have risked their lives uh to fight for this country um I think it's hard especially right now, um, but they truly deserve a lot of respect, and, um, yeah, also, um, I'm just reading through the news right now, uh, U.S. deaths near 100,000, um, and they've actually, on uh, the New York Times, they update this list almost every few seconds, but they have um, made a list of all the deaths in the U.S., all the people um, and their ages and all. And I don't know, it just really is bizarre to me that people don't understand that this affects you know, like, the younger generations, too, because so many of my friends are not social distancing, and it is quite, quite frustrating, to be honest with you. Um, like, scrolling through this list, I see many people who are, like, 30s, you know, 40s, 50s, even, and it's, it's just, I don't 
quite selfish, honestly, if you're not social distancing at this point, because, you know, it's, it's like, it's almost over for a lot of, I mean, actually, I, I take that back because it's definitely not over and we're most likely not going to have school in the fall, but, um, I just think that it's immensely selfish if you are not social distancing, social distancing at this time because, I mean, just, like, the sheer human death that we see in the United States is ridiculous. I mean, like, China had, like, what, like, 80,000 total, I mean, we don't know about that reporting, like, there's a lot of reports that, like, they might have falsified the numbers, which, you know, I wouldn't exactly put, put past them, but still, like, this country has seen way more death than I think it really had to see. And it's it's sad because a lot of these stories of some of the groups that are most impacted often go underreported. Like, it's it's really hard to find good reporting in this country. And it's so important. Good journalism is so important. But there's just, like, this fundamental, fundamental mistrust of the media, which, like, I understand. I mean, like there there have been a lot of falsified reports that have started many terrible wars and battles i mean <laughs> like uh we're learning about this in american history right now so it's something that comes to mind is uh like yellow journalism during the spanish american war um there were all these reports of like these atrocities going on in the Philippines and such that made America get into this war and most of them were fake like most of them were just bad reporting and I think that's really interesting like the fact that we literally went to war over something that probably wasn't that true but then also you hear about the things like the Emmett Till case and you're like wow like journalism is really important and uh, Emmett Till was basically this uh, 14 year old African-American who was lynched by these two men in the south he was killed he was brutally murdered and they got off scot-free in the trial i mean and it was surprised that it even went to court but the reason it did was because of all the journalism and his mother like insisted on an open casket um so that people could see what they did to her son and it was all over um because it, it was because um of this woman who claimed that he behaved inappropriately with her um, but later on her deathbed, she revealed that nothing actually happened. And I don't know, I just thought it was immensely, immensely sad to read about that. But then also, um, well, this wasn't even my point. One of my friends actually said this, but it really just reveals to you how important journalism really is. But anyway, um, I think a lot of very important things just go underreported. And uh, I was, uh, when I said that, I was speaking specifically about um, the impacts of the coronavirus in some of the Native American um, reservations. It has been really devastating um, to a lot of these tribes who already have such low funding and live in terrible conditions um, like drug use. And um, there's, I was reading a report on this the other day and there's just this whole generation of parents in those reservations that just don't know how to properly take care of their kids because they never got proper parenting 
um, due to like the boarding schools and assimilation policies in the early 1900s. And, you know, it's very interesting that a lot of this really fades into, I mean, just the background in American history. It's the kind of thing that no one talks about. And I mean, I just find it so fascinating that that's the case because it's it's the kind of conversation that we should be having but we're just not um and you know this is my first episode so I'm sorry that it's a little messy I keep like jumping between topics but yeah this is essentially what it's gonna be it's just gonna be me venting about different stories and my thoughts and ideas on different things um but yeah that's that's the main idea of this podcast um is to share um, my thoughts on some of the things that are happening, and they're, they're just not pretty, um, they just really are not, so I hope I can help start some kind of conversation, because I think that's really important, um, and also, I think it's important to say that, um, talking about these things does not at all mean that I am attacking America, or attacking anybody in particular, or attacking this country, I just think it's important that we, like, acknowledge that things aren't, the best and that way we can move forward um I'm yeah I I just think that's really frustrating when people claim that and it's the same thing about like privilege when um you know you talk about privilege in schools especially to um I don't know it's just it's something that people get very defensive over because no one wants to be told that you know the only reason that they have all of this is because something fundamental that they can't control um that gives them this advantage in this world and the fact is you know it's not their fault it's not your fault if you have privilege or if you don't have privilege it's just something that you have to acknowledge you know and I think it's it's an important conversation to have but it's also a really rough one. Um, like right now in American history, we're learning about, you know, the 1960s and the Great Society and all of these reform movements. And it's like, it's it's these conversations that people started having. having. It's uh, the media, you know, um, covering these atrocities that were happening to people. And it, that's that's really what made the change. It's It seems like, in this country especially, you know, if, if a lot of times I think uh, certain groups, especially their suffering kind of goes unnoticed almost. Um, and I think part of that is due to the fact that it doesn't really affect the majority of the population, you know, um, oh, like healthcare. is a wonderful example of this where you know a lot of americans agree that our healthcare system is broken like it's terrible and it is um but i was reading a stat the other day where like 70 percent of americans would not change their healthcare system or thinks that or think that like their system or the policy that they have is perfectly adequate and i just think that's so fascinating because of course we can't make any healthcare change in this country if everyone thinks that their policy is fine even though you know the larger system is so messed up like the fact that we literally have to pay like what five times the amount that you would have to pay for like the same thing in some other countries for and not as good quality like the quality is i mean it's it's a pretty good quality but it's not anything it's not 
worth what we're spending at all um so I just find that interesting yeah I I should definitely do a whole episode about healthcare because that is just so messed up it's so messed up um yeah and especially I think during this virus those things really come to light because I mean people are sick people are dying and a lot of them can't even afford the cost which is sad because I mean, I personally think that everyone should have a right to, you know, be, have everyone should have a right to life. That's <laughs> uh, just like a fundamental thing. And I mean, are you really, do you really have that right if you can't afford to get necessary medical treatment if you need it? Um, and I think that's another really important conversation to have um right what were we talking about coronavirus yes um i don't know i think the impacts of this are going to be felt for a long long time especially um in terms of economics the amount of people that have lost their job or are probably going to lose their jobs or probably won't go back to work for example my dad um well he's fine he's he has his job he's doing great Um, but he is not going back to work until October sometime. And even if that, because a lot of companies are realizing that, you know, they don't need their employees to come to the office all the time. Um, and they're using that to save a lot of money. And I mean, doing that, they're probably also going to fire like janitors or other people who kind of help keep some of these office buildings running because I I was reading something about Facebook where they're not asking their employees to come back at all, like ever. Um, And a lot of these very expensive buildings that they have leased are, they're probably just not going to lease them anymore. And I mean, I think there's a lot of like other jobs that will go away because of that, which is like sad, you know, and I think cleaning staff is probably the most obvious example, but um yeah, like, it's just, it's crazy, because with the economy, like, everything is really closely related together, like, you know, you get your salary, and then you go spend it, and that becomes someone else's income, and then that person goes spend the money, but if you just don't get your salary this month, then you're not going to go spend that money, and that money is not going to go towards someone else's income, and then, you know, the whole system is just going to collapse, and that's really scary, so, I mean... And I think especially with this virus, it's difficult because um, if the correct measures aren't enacted, then we could go into a really deep recession. But, I mean, no one really knows what those measures are in particular. You know, like there's no textbook on this thing where it's like what to do if a global pandemic shuts the whole world down. Um, you know, so it's it's a bit difficult um, there's a lot of learning curves, and luckily there's some very smart economists out there who are gonna help people do with this stuff, um, ideally, at least, you know, it's, it's tough, it really is, um, yeah, and also, I think another way this is gonna be affected, um, you know, for me, I'm in high, I'm in high school, um, and, it's still been tough to do online schooling. Like, I definitely feel like I'm not learning as much. And it's, um, 
you know, I'm not doing nearly as much work as I was before, but, you know, it's something that I'll kind of get past because I already have, like, the basic fundamental skills, but, you know, and by that I mean, like, literally, like, I know how to read, I know how to write, I know how to do all that stuff, but, um, uh, I'm just really scared to see the impact on some younger school children, like kindergartners and second graders who are just learning to read, who are just learning to write. Um, unfortunately, you know, not all parents are teachers or even have the time and energy to sit down and teach their kids how to do these things. I know my parents have personally really been struggling with that. I have a brother who is five years old and in kindergarten, or six, actually, he's six, he would get you kill me for saying that um he is six and he's like just learning to read just learning to write and I definitely feel like his skills are much behind what is probably ideal for someone his age because he just you know he can't be in school he's not learning as much as he probably should be for a kid who's developing at that stage and I don't know, I just, it's going to be interesting to see the impact on their generation, you know, not even ours. Um, I really feel like the impacts of this are going to be felt for a long, long, long time. And that's going to be really interesting um, to see, <laughs> potentially really scary. <laughs> um, I don't know. Personally, I hope that... I can at least get a pretty good discount on my student loans. Um, interest rates are just remarkably low right now. So um, at least we have that. There are some upsides to everything, of course. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think actually there's a lot of upsides to the coronavirus, I think, personally. Um, like AP testing. Um, and I know a lot of people are very, very upset about A-B testing, but I personally think that it was a godsend. I mean, we only had to learn 75% of the content, and in most of my classes, we had already covered that much, so it was pretty nice. And um, also, like, the online testing whole platform, pretty pretty solid, I think, Um like, I didn't have any issues with it. I know a lot of people had, like, a lot of problems, and I feel terribly for anyone who had issues, because that is just awful. Um, but, I don't know. Uh, for me, it went pretty smoothly, so I was happy about that. And um, if they do that next year, it would be amazing, because hopefully by then they'll figure out, like, the glitches, and just having there be, like, you know, one or two questions... Um, only 45 minutes, so nice, like three hours, I, I mean, my school, the way they do it is they have us all in a gymnasium, and they have, like, these squeaky desks, and it's always freezing cold in there, it is always freezing, no idea why, um, and we're just, like, freezing cold, sitting there for three hours, taking this stupid test that is so mentally draining, like, I remember I took two last year, and after that, I literally had to go home and crash for the whole night, like, I could just... I could barely do anything, um, and, you know, to have that, especially for, like, for me, I was taking five this year, I was taking five tests, um, I really do not think I could have survived, um, so I was very happy about that, I don't know, me personally, at least, I was pretty 
glad um they went well yeah um and then also my favorite thing recently has been John Krasinski's Some Good News um you know I I think that's what's really great (laughs) I mean I don't think that was the best wording but I think um you know I just really love how this pandemic has brought out just the best in some people um you know and I I mean I love John Krasinski I think he's such Krasinski sorry I think he's such a good person and I'm a big fan of the office myself so um I was just really like watching that show just like it makes me cry every week it makes me cry um, and if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. <laughs> I'm talking as if anyone's actually going to listen to these. Um, no, but it's great. He's great. And, you know, it's, it's just really heartwarming to know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff going on right now, um, where people are like coming together and helping and it's just, it's so wonderful to see. Um, it really makes me happy that, that is the case, um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's really nice to see that, um, well, yeah, it's weird, I really, (laughs) I honestly, like, never run out of things to talk about, so I'm sure I will probably do another coronavirus episode, sometime soon. I think there's just so many layers and so many things with this virus that um, are important to discuss. And um, it's, I think, you know, so rarely you see an event like this that just like defines a generation. And I really think that this event is going to define our generation. Um, You know, the same way that World War One really defined the last generation, and I yeah I just really think that this is gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah. Anyway, I'm signing off. Adios. Thank you for listening. Um.